0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Yesterday we were looking at boundary cases in terms of the quantity of challah that we needed to remove, or how, sorry, the quantity of chametz. That's a Freudian slip, the equation of chametz and challah. We were looking at the quantities of challah that we need to remove. But we talked, of course, about the identity or the parallelism between challah and matzah and hametz. And today we're going to look at some more parallels, but we're going to go firmly back into the subject of hametz. And remember that we talked yesterday about the fact that Timing wasn't very accurate in the time of the Mishnah, so it wasn't as it today. You know, we have a, a doctrine that something that um, dough is chametz after eighteen minutes, and we can time it with a stopwatch. But they didn't have stopwatches, so they are going to assess whether dough has fermented by how the dough looks. And today, we're going to look at a Mishnah which deals very much with how the dough looks, how it looks in the bowl. And just in order to, and this this Mishnah is full of puns. Uh, we're in the seventh Mishnah of of um, chapter three, sorry, the fifth Mishnah of chapter three. This Mishnah is full of puns. And just to kick off, I, I wanted to just make sure that we all had a couple of words in our heads, and the the word or the root se'ar, sin ein reish sin ein resh, spelled with an ein means hair. Sarat are hairs. So se'ar, spelled with an ein means hair. If we spell it with an aleph, sin aleph reish it means leavening. It means yeast. So we're going to make a little bit of a play on words between hair and yeast, between se'ar and se'or. And we, And if you don't believe me, by the way, I'm just going to remind you of the Pasuk, which we've come back to time and time off, time and time again. We come back to this Pasuk. Matzot <ye-chelet shivat hayamim. matsot> are going to be eaten for seven days. <mats> and Hametz won't be found with you. The word for leaven in the um, Tanakh is with a sin and an aleph. So we're going to make a play on words between hair and between leaven, between sear and seor. That's the first thing we need to have in our minds. And the second thing we need to have in our minds is that the root saduk means crack. So saduk means crack. So let, let's once we've got these words in our head, we can just play around with the Mishnah. But I want I just want you to have these words in your head. And I put them on the source sheet, by the way. I put them on the source sheet and I have put Jastro's definition on the source sheet, too. So it's all sitting there for you if you want to come back to it. Let's have a look at the Mishnah. This is poetic, this Mishnah. Fifth Mishnah, Chapter Three. Siur Isaref v'haochlo patur. Siur must be burnt, and someone who eats it is exempt. Saduk Isaref v'haochlo hayav karet. Saduk must be burnt, and someone who eats it is liable for karet for cutting off. So we've got Siur and Saduk, and they both need to be burnt. They're both clearly Chametz because we're going to burn them. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to destroy them before Pesach. But somehow, Siur seems to be, it's less, it's not real Chametz because if you eat it, you're exempt from Karet. Saduk is much more serious. If you eat Saduk, you've eaten real Chametz and you're liable for Karet, for cutting off. So now the Mishnah, and I've tr- I haven't tried to translate Siur and Saduk because we don't know how to translate them. And the Mishnah doesn't know how to translate them. They're untranslatable words. But the Mishnah is going to try to figure out what they're is going to try to figure out what they're like. So let's have a look. The um Seor, what is seor? You can see this comes from the root of seor, by the way, but it's not seor; it's seor. seor ke karnay hagavim, like locusts' horns, or this could be like grasshoppers' horns. These are tiny, tiny, fine cracks. They're so thin; they're like the proboscis of some grass. Maybe a, gra- a grasshopper is probably better than a locust as a translation. You know these. The, the grasshoppers have got these enormously long horns coming out of their heads. They're just like long, fine, um, sort of uh, feely out things. So seur is, is dough. And on the top of the dough, we can see a little bit of cracking. that looks like a hairline crack. It looks like just like the thickness of a locust's horn. Saduk shenit arvu. Siddhah Kav is when the cracks have intermingled with each other. This is according to Rabbi Yuda. In other words, we've got these hairline cracks, but we've got more than one hairline crack and they're all joining up. It's this is a bit like the pictures of dried mud you see in the desert when all of the cracks in the earth are just, you know, they're joining up in all these hexagons. That's Rabbi Yuda. The sage, say, doesn't make any difference. karet. That for both of them, someone who eats it is liable for karet. And how do the chachamim define si'ur? Ve'eizehu si'ur? Kol shehichsifu fanav k'adam she'amdu sa'arotav. Kol shehichsifu fanav a undo tough what is sure when its face is uh, is whitened when its face is blodged whose face are we talking about I think we're talking about the face of the dough here but hang on but here's the pun coming like a man whose hair is standing up when you're so scared that your hair stands up on end then your face goes all white. And apparently the dough, when it's just beginning to ferment, it goes, all, it seems to go all white, like, um, like a man who's um, like a man whose uh, face is all blanched. I, I can't really I mean, I can I can't do anything more than take this at face value because we don't really understand the, you know, what dough looked like in the time of the Mishnah and how you define these but i'm i mean we can see the play on words between sear and say and sear and saor. and gosh well they didn't have um they didn't have stopwatches in the time of the mishnah so they are completely dependent on uh on what they can see and i think by the way what the chachamim are saying by the way is that if you can see these cracks On the top of the dough, there's a lot more underneath the dough. In other words, what you see on the top reflects what is going on below. And of course, that's why. Both for Siyur and for Ziduk, they say, look, guys, you know, you don't eat it. You don't eat it because you're chayav Karet if if you eat it. The Mishnah then goes on to talk about, I mean, we're talking about removing this stuff. The Mishnah then goes on to talk about what happens if the removal day is on Shabbat. so If Pesach falls on Shabbat, that's not really a problem because we get everything ready for Pesach anyway. But if Erev Pesach is on Shabbat, and this happens very, very rarely, by the way, the way the rabbis organize the calendar to make sure it happens very, very rarely, sometimes happens though. If Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, that is really complicated because how do you get rid? You can't burn your chametz on Shabbat. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to get rid of your chametz on Shabbat? That's the question. The next question the Mishnah addresses in Mishnah 6. yot The 14th falls on Shabbat. And we're going to have Rabbi, Me- Rabbi Meir now. Muvarin milifnei shabbat divrei Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says, look, we're going to get rid of everything before Shabbat. And that is pretty much our practice now. I mean, we, by the way, keep a couple of a lot, a couple of loaves of bread to actually eat on Shabbat. So we don't get rid of all of it. And that's because we have a custom not to eat matzah on Ere Pesach. And I think the Vilma Gaon, I think it's the Vilma Gaon who says eating. No, uh, um, anyway, uh, We don't eat matzah on on Erev Pesach. But maybe it's not quite clear what Rabbi Meir does. He doesn't refer to keeping some aside. He just says you get rid of it. So Rabbi Meir clearly is going to eat bread on Shabbat. So maybe at the time of the Mishnah, they didn't have the halacha that you shouldn't eat Pesach on Erev Shabbat. Rabbi Meir certainly doesn't mention it. And then the chachamim say, chachamim omrim, bismanan, the sages say, at its time, you can remove everything at its regular time. So they then will be removing it and, um, you know, casting it to the wind, or they'll, they'll be removing it and covering it or casting it to the wind or throwing it, and probably not throw it into the sea, because you can't do that on Shabbat. But they'll be removing it in some way at its time. And Rabbi Yehazah ben Sadakomer if Shabbat bismanan. Rabbi Azar ben Sadok says truma before Shabbat and regular food or chulin at its time. Because, of course, we're not going to just, if it's truma, we can't just throw that, you know, crumble it in the wind. If it's truma, we really do need to burn it. And, of course, we absolutely cannot burn it on Shabbat. So with truma, we have a real problem. Truma, we clearly have to get rid of it before Shabbat. But chulin, we could, you know, well, we could eat it. We could throw it. In. Anyway, we can get rid of it in various ways. And that really is where we're going to close today. Next. that That is where we're going to close today. And the, the rest of the chapter deals with what happens if we've forgotten something. But that's where we're going to close today. And we'll deal with that next time.